France is set to deploy tens of thousands of police officers across the nation this weekend, having been fraught with tension in the last few days amid protests over a controversial fuel tax and the government's been forced to give away for now, dealing a blow to President Emmanuel Macron's pro-business reforms and carbon-free agenda. We might ask who went too far, so far at least, Macron with his reforms or the protesters who vandalised, for example, the lower floor of the Arc de Triomphe as demonstrations even turned tragic. For further discussion, let's bring in Professor Thomas Michalski from the Economics and Decision Sciences Department at HEC Paris. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you very much for having me. Can you give us an idea of just how extensive these protests have been in Paris? Uh, have you witnessed yourself, for example, demonstrations? Honestly, I have not seen anybody protesting. Uh, I live in the suburbs. I don't go to Paris uh, on a regular basis. Uh, even a couple of blocks from Arc de Triomphe, I know it was pretty calm. So what we see on TV are pretty spectacular images, but they don't give a very good indication of uh, the total movement. What we saw were particularly troubled individuals that were uh, trying to uh, uh, take over the um, movement and turn it violent. We do know of one very sad case. An 80-year-old woman died after being hit with a tear gas canister in the face on Saturday. Including this lady, four people have died, hundreds more injured since the unrest began. D do you fear, though, that this is just the beginning? Uh, it may be, for example, this weekend, uh, uh, the government is preparing for a very violent protest. Uh, there are two reasons for this. First of all, there's a lot of uh, individuals, both on the extreme left and the extreme right, that basically just want to fight uh, with the police. And they're going to use the occasion. The second, uh, the, there is unrest in troubled suburbs, especially to the northeast of Paris, uh, that are uh, impoverished, and people from there are going to descend on the city to protest as well. And the third factor is the following, which uh, w was shared by many yellow vests that protested so far peacefully. We were blocking local roundabouts, and nobody noticed us, neither the media, nobody, the politicians. So you know what? Yes, we're going to come and destroy. Perhaps somebody will notice us. President Trump has gained a bit of infamy, a bit more infamy, for retweeting a, a tweet from someone else. But it, it read like this. There are riots in socialist France because of radical leftist fuel taxes. Media barely mentioning this. America is booming. Europe is burning. They want to cover up the middle class rebellion against cultural Marxism. We want Trump being chanted through the streets of Paris. I mean, that is a, a remarkable claim, of course, or a remarkable series of claims. Can you address the, the misconceptions around these protests and give us an idea of what's really at the heart of them? Of course. So, first of all, uh, this took uh, a lot of people by surprise. Uh, and all the political opposition parties uh, as well. So th nobody saw it really coming. But if you dig deeper, there are uh, a very important... You can view this conflict uh, on multiple axes. First of all, it's uh, a conflict between uh, those that are high-skilled, highly educated, uh, that uh, uh, are succeeding in the globalized economy, and those and everybody else. 
So a very heterogeneous group over here. Also, it is a conflict between uh, the large and small cities. So what has been happening in France and many other uh, societies is labor market polarization. And it turns out that this labor market polarization has a spatial component. That is, the large cities are becoming very highly skilled, rich, affluent, uh, and you can see it all over, not only in France, also in the U.S., in the U.K., etc. Uh, and uh, the poverty and uh, mi middle class, lower middle class uh, uh, occupations are uh, concentrating in uh, small cities. So now here comes uh, uh, the, the fuel tax. Why was it such a big spark? This is because uh, in the countryside or in small cities, people don't use uh, mass transportation. They use cars, and they use, in fact, because they're poor, cheap cars that have diesel engines. So they feel this uh, tax, uh, if they use cars a lot, as a, a double whammy. They uh, really started protesting because it really uh, drains uh, their, into their pockets and they feel that they have been sidelined by uh, the benefits of globalization, and they got the short stick. We've, we've seen protests against fuel price rises for years. I remember growing up in the UK, seeing them in both France and, and England. Sometimes they'd be very effective. For example, uh, you would have truckers get together and, and force motorways to a complete halt, and it would prevent basic goods from getting to supermarkets and, and certainly prevent fuel from getting to uh, stations to fill up. And, and people would rush out and buy basics like water before that happened. Uh, why this so different now? Was this something that Yellow Vest leaders got together and decided, you know, we need something more extreme? So I would say that this is the thing that uh, the movement has no leaders. In fact, the, the leaders are haphazard. Uh, they're really a heterogeneous group. Uh, uh, if you... Uh, uh, try to ask them where their political inclinations. They're a little bit more populist. You will find a little bit more of Ma Marine Le Pen, but also uh, Mélenchon voters, so both uh, rather extreme right or extreme left. But in fact, those are really regular uh, people. Uh, and there has been a vision that uh, uh, generally there was a big promise when Macron came to power that uh, there's going to be sweeping changes. Finally, the elites uh, were broken. The Socialist Party is in disarray. The right-wing party that co-governed uh, was in disarray as well. And we had elected a new uh, providential son that is going to drag uh, France out of uh, uh, the hole we are in. And it turns out that uh, it didn't happen. So unemployment remains high. It's at, uh, nearly barely changed since Macron came to power. Uh, he introduced some uh, little reforms uh, that are perceived that are benefiting predominantly the rich. This uh, 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 drove a big dissatisfaction among the population at all different uh, uh, levels. So the Yellow Jackets are actually a very heterogeneous group. They have totally different grievances that are sometimes at odds with one another. So uh, it's unclear. It, uh, the problem with this uh, um, movement is that it's pretty random, uh, also, there were loads of accidents uh, during these protests because people, actually normal people, they didn't know 
how to protest. So, you know, if you have uh, syndicates, if you have uh, uh, political parties, they are very well organized. But here you had random people who were, for example, jumping in front of cars and thinking that everybody's going to join their movement, and then you had accidents because some people didn't stop. Right. So uh, this is something that is getting organized. Uh, we will see how it's going to evolve. Uh, but uh, uh, there's no, for the moment, political alternative to Macron, and let's be clear about that. Well, this is what I was going to ask. I do think it's a fascinating question that the golden providential son that you described before, who's not been only important to France, but also on the global stage in handling issues, including North Korea, relevance to us. And now you've got um, him under intense pressure. Even if there's no alternative, is there a danger his leadership could collapse under these protests if they escalate into even bigger violence? First of all, uh, the, the thing is that the, the fact that there is no alternative in this presidential system means that uh, uh, we may have something déjà vu, if I may use the expression, because uh, there were uh, we saw that before, and everybody saw this movie uh, before during Chirac presidency, the Sarkozy or Hollande, so the predecessors of Macron. All of them tried to reform uh, the country, and at some stage they were stopped by mass protests. So these problems that we have, for example, are nowhere in this extremity that was uh, seen during uh, the, the uh, presidency of Jacques Chirac in '95. The difference is that they're random. And uh, this is what uh, makes a lot of people uh, uh, very worried, because uh, get random acts of violence. The opposition, if the opposition cannot get their act together, and there's no indication they will, they're still weak, and the Yellow Jacket movement is really heterogeneous. It's, uh, one could compare it like a tea to a, the Tea Party uh, in the U.S., only that the Tea Party is uh, super broad. This uh, uh, may not, in this political system, produce any change for the next two, three uh, years. So that would be my prediction. In the short run, we're going to have very violent protests uh, in larger cities, uh, for example, in the next weekend. Then uh, the government is going to negotiate, uh, give some concessions. Uh, the fuel tax is uh, uh, abolished, and uh, the movement may simply just die out as it randomly appeared. It does send... A worrying message to governments around the world. This is what can happen if you push too hard, even just with the eco-friendly agenda, which is being somewhat covered up um, in all of these other discussions right now. Professor Michalski, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Professor Thomas Michalski from the Economics and Decisions Sciences Department at HEC Paris.